resolutions now. Go! Welcome to episode 33 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. We've been away for a few weeks, but hope to bring you a special Christmas podcast, which was going to be outtakes and music. Unfortunately, illness took hold, we all got a bad dose. So because of that, it meant that you missed this. They were doing the one-touch drill with the two player, the players on the touching back in on the side. And he just kept missing the ball in warm-up, right? And I was watching, and I was like, who's that guy? I think you were there. I think I was asking you, yeah. who's that guy? Look at how terrible he is. Is he just like a friend of the family or something? went under his foot, and it was like, <laughs> really? what? And this? We have skulls, too, in here for some reason. Right up there. Oh, yeah. With light bulbs coming out of the eyes. Now, that, that is a skull that looks like it's been caved in. Now, someone's skull I'd like to cave in before Wednesday <laughs> is Marco DeVille. And, of course, this. Santa, me. Please don't kill me. Santa, let me But we're back now, it's a new year, pretty quiet starts in the new year in Whitecaps land, not really much for us to talk about I don't think, but we've we've put together our trusty round table combo, not quite sure who's the burger, who's the fries, but I'm your host Michael McCall, I'm joined as always by my co-host Steve Pander. Hello there Michael, happy holidays. Merry Christmas, I don't go in for that happy holidays nonsense. Well, we didn't get to see it during the Christmas broadcast, so I thought I'd bring it up now. Well, Happy New Year to you. Yeah. Should old acquaintances be forgot? Sure. Yeah. One of them being Camilo, but we'll come to him shortly. <laughs> We're also joined by Stephen Lamotte. Hello, Michael. And of course, our favourite member of Curva Collective, Zachary Miesenheimer. Hey, that was pretty good. No, it was terrible, yeah, it was but terrible. it's good to be here. I've been practicing to try to get your name right. I, I stand in front of the mirror with the picture of you on the mirror. 
And I'm just saying Miesenheimer. Miesenheimer. Meisenheimer. 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 And you know, you know that Steve Pander is also a partner in Curva Collective. So you, you're saying you know, he's not your favorite partner for Curva Collective? No, I can't stand him. I, I just really do the podcast because I've no one else to do it with. So if anyone else uh, is listening, like Jodie Vance, if, if she wants to come along and, and do the podcast, I'll always have an opening for her, and I hope she'll always have an opening for me. And she can always sit on my lap if, if we run out of seats or anything like that, so I'm, I'm happy to do that. I think we should move on. So we're going to start the year off with our second part of looking back at last year. It's not just going to be a straightforward review, so don't worry, you don't have to switch off and, and be bored. We're going to look at the issues that arose during the second half of 2013 and how they're going to impact things for the Whitecaps going into 2014. But because we're busy beavers, eager beavers, so we're, we're also going to do a second podcast that's going to come out either later today or tomorrow, which is going to cover things about Camilo, the technical staff, and all the up-to-date Whitecaps going on. So let's not beat about the bush anymore, and let's get on with July. The month of July then started off with a, after they were still on the road and everything, and they drew the with the eventual MLS Cup champions. Sporting Kansas City. It was a solid game. It looked like they, uh, it, it wasn't really going working for them, but then Camilo scored his 10th goal, got into double digits halfway through the season. So it was a road trip that ended in July. How, how, how did you feel at that point after the turnaround and away fortunes? Did you think it was going to be a more promising mm-hmm. second half to the season than what happened in 2012? Well, yeah, it had to be, right? I mean, it, it wasn't. Uh, no, it well, wasn't. Ken, Ken, at it that was. point, it had to be. We were in... We are in second or third? We were up well, there was talk sh- about Supporter Shield talk. talk. Yeah. Teal yeah. yeah. Bunbury was out injured. That was good. Yeah. It's nice to see that. Always nice to see that. <laughs> I think they gave up a goal, another goal, though, on a... On a uh, I think Colin scored, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I am mistaken. I can't remember now. He's yeah, a player he's I love here. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, I think he scored on a set piece, so that wasn't a good thing. But it, they, they came out with a draw and a tough place to play. I, I would love to trade Jay Demerit for Aurelian Colin. I just think it would be a fantastic... Oh, every MLS team man, would. Come on. No, it's like Colin's got all he's that talent a, and Colin, years Colin's ahead of him. He's, he's a Yeah, you're probably right. If he played here, I'd probably like him. Yeah, yeah. If he played here. yeah. you got just your Jay Demerit glasses on right now. No, it's just that uh, they're such a dirty team. They're I was so rooting against dirty, Kansas City in the dirty, final. Dirty. So they came back from that road trip and they were going to face their Cascadian rivals, the Seattle Sounders. <laughs> and after that June game where they had that lead and they gave it up, and then there were comments from the Seattle player. I don't remember his name. Brad Evans? Was it Brad Evans or Mark Birch? Birch. Was it Birch? It was Mark Birch, Birch. which we'll get into the reserve game. Not not the truth. Yeah. The reserve game was off. Mark Mark Birch uh, said that they they feel like they're playing at home when they play at BC Place. Yeah. Even though I think he just joined the team or something like that. But Uh, whatever the case. But but Vancouver came up with a huge win. Brad Knighton probably played his best game in the kit with a white cap. Yeah. That was a career for a heartbreak because that was probably the best game. I know. I think that really, that really, really raised our expectations. And then yeah, we're gonna win the Cascadia Cup. We're going to the playoffs. We're 
supporter shield contention. It was it was an amazing day. Amazing, amazing yeah. weekend because if you look at it, the next oh, day we got oh, to see the yeah. future beat the, the Whitecaps. <laughs> <Sam. first up. laughs> I, I I have to say that, 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 that reserve game in Langley. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what we're talking about. Reserve game in Langley the day after the the two 0 win over Seattle at BC Place. Played Sounders out in Langley, huge crowd of over a thousand. And the Sounders really were strong. experienced team, yeah. experienced team on there. Yeah. And we, we had a lot of young guys, All the a lot guys of they guys. Under yeah. And we whipped their ass. Yeah. Yeah. Handled. That that nutmeg goal from Sounders. Uh, that was Sam's coming out for sure. That was such a great game. But just from a supporters' point of view, watching it, it was it was like the old days at Swan Guard. It was yeah. just it was fantastic. You we were, were going shouting after abuse and pork, pork chop. chop. I can't remember his name now. All of a sudden. Achoyo. Achoyo, Sammy Achoyo, yeah. yeah. And he was, he accused the, the supporters of being racist or something like that. And then luckily the linesman heard everything, so he came up to our defense. But it was fantastic. And then Mark yeah. Birch. Not, not the tree. soccer, the, the casual fans were fantastic. Yeah, they, were. they were so great, man. I was only there for the second half, but it was, it was awesome. Yeah, they were I, great. I, I think as well what that showed is the support for the Whitecaps out with downtown. And if they were to play more residency games or... Quitlam. Yeah, like PDL games. Or the USL Pro Team. Or the USL Pro Team out in Langley or somewhere like that in the valley, in, in the middle of nowhere. Quitlam's Percy Perry's stadium or our mini, Vancouver's Mini Olympia Stadium. I think that would be a fan. That would be a good place too. Yeah. I, yeah. I think a lot of fans like myself would go to the interior to, to watch games like that. <laughs> the interior. <laughs> It's a long way to go. It took me an hour to get well, here. We're glad you're here in the Langley Massive again tonight, Michael. Uh, so, the, uh, but that was a uh, lot of youth on display. Not even Sam. You were talking about Sam, but Keon's Marco Bustos uh, played and, well. Uh, who played well? Eric Maddox. Was it Hurtado? Or Hurtado Maddox? played. Heineman played well. Heineman was the one that scored the goals. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there was one goal. Yeah, yeah tell me. Yeah. There was one goal actually that I nominated for gold AFTN goal of the year. Uh, well, I didn't nominate for the goal of the year, but I nominated for one of the top three, where it was uh, David Osted throwing the ball out to yeah. Kevin Cobby, who got it to Yasinessa, who quickly got it over to Sam. Sam got it over to Marco Bustos, who set up basically Tommy Heineman for an easy tap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a fantastic, you know, residency in the middle. The start was uh, experienced player. And it was experienced player, but that middle, the way they worked the ball so quickly within 13 seconds up the field. I loved it. It was fantastic. My my second place goal of the year. It was a beautiful sunny day. Yeah, it was yeah. a great day. It was great, yeah. And so being so close and having the players chirping back and Hanahem went off with a pulled pride, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. He just basically walked. I don't fantastic. think he was injured He's younger than your son. <laughs> <laughs> He's got sperm older than him. Ah, yeah. That was great. He didn't want to be there in the hot and this Langley. Where the hell's Langley? I played in Europe. <laughs> we Langley were all massive. over them, man. So uh, the, we went off. The, went out. Followed up that Seattle win with a big win over Chicago. Camilo scored the 100th goal for <laughs> Vancouver in, in MLS in that game. And then uh, Brad Knightness made his 100th assist because that was a long... Oh, yeah, he got he go with yeah, assist. Yeah, yeah. This, he in the MLS. His for, first assist in 100 years? No, no. Yeah, Vancouver's 100th oh, assist. Oh, Vancouver's 100th assist. Yes. And then it all went downhill. Uh, did it go too downhill? 
Well, we didn't win much for... No, uh, after that, we won. It was the end of the month when it started to go down. It went downhill worse than Michael card. Schumacher. <laughs> was the red car. Oh, my, oh my that's God. Awful. God. Keep it in there. <laughs> that was awful. I, Shumi, oh, man. Okay, so... Um, uh, so, they, after that 3-1 win, everybody... July 27th, asked, the season ends. The, the, <laughs> after that 3-1 win, everybody was going on about Supporter Shield at that point. That was when yeah. it was... At, Not at everyone. Like, well, the media... Well, the, well, the media... The media was talking about Supporter Shield, top spot But the media here know very little, to be honest. We were in the race, though. Yeah, hope, hopes were raised. So then they went down to LA, lost 2-1. Again, uh, that, that was the game where, was it offside goal? Was it an onside goal? Oh. Did they switch it back? Where, where they want to go with that? Oh, uh, yeah. That was a... Was that when Russell did that flick to Camilo? Yeah, flick yeah, to Camilo and they scored a goal. And we thought, you know, Russell Tiber, because he just came off the Gold Cup sickness, and he, we thought maybe he was regaining some of that stuff back, but obviously he didn't. Just, just very, very quickly, since we mentioned the Gold Cup, how disappointing was Canada? I mean, did you expect more from them with the young squad that they took? No, I didn't expect it that much from them at all. I expected a few more goals here and there, some a little bit more, but I didn't expect any wins or anything like that. Oh, I, I expected like, more. Come uh, on. Yeah. Who do we play? Well, Martinique, they should have beaten, obviously. Yeah. Now, and they got they, they lost all their points because of a wonder goal or whatever. That they're not, that guy's never going to score again. It, it was. I, I was down for the Mexico game, and it was just. So, you just felt sorry for the fans that had travelled all that way. And thanks for feeling sorry for me. Man. Yeah. After LA, they had the turnaround game that a lot of people are talking about, which really kind of sunk the season. A lot of people are talking about like they dropped. Significantly. You know, who are these lot of people? I've heard no one talk about this. We talked about it on the oh. podcast. <laughs> the one nothing loss to the Philadelphia Union. The headbutt. Heard around Vancouver, and they, where they actually played better once he left the field, which was funny. Oh, jeez, I don't know. It broke the whole. That was the turn point of the season that just broke the whole damn. It was right? the first loss of the season at home. There were. It was sort of like there were times where, like in uh, the previous season with Joe and all the saves and how well we started off 2012. There were moments like that that you know, Portland's whole freaking season was like that, right? that you can maintain those sorts of things if the momentum keeps up and that broke our momentum that broke all those sorts of uh any hope of those magic moments occurring right yeah I, it was just bad juju man it was the loss of our unbeaten home record yeah. which i i hated i really really hated the white cats making this big thing yeah. about fortress bc plays we're unbeaten at home it's just asking for a team that that's all the other team needs to do is pin that on the dressing room wall. Yeah. That's yeah. like motivation beyond belief. It's like, these guys haven't lost. They're bragging about it. Let's go and show them who's the better team. Yeah. And the Whitecaps were the better team that game. Totally. And it, it definitely was one of the turning points of the season. And you, you have to wonder, how different could it have been if they got the three points from that? Totally. I don't want it to put all the blame on June Marcus Davison, but he's left now, so let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> he probably cost Martin Rennie his job. Possibly. Well, they still didn't score, though, right? That I mean, they dominated, they dominated the game. The, the game was dominated. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, that I've heard that comment many times about how Martin Rennie tied his potential future of the club to Jim Marcus Davidson. But I think when you go back and you look at the 
maybe not the performance, but to look at the result of the team with Jun in and Jun out, I think the results were far better when Jun. Oh, I, I, I was a Jun fan actually, yeah. and I, I went on record as saying I thought we should have kept him. Um, but that game, he was completely out of order, and it, it totally cost the white cap. Okay, okay, he was completely out of order. It was, I mean, the, the kick in the teeth was. The, the thing that instigated it then was resulted in a suspension right after Yeah, the but you don't retaliate. I, I know, I you know. I'm just saying. Retaliate. I'm just saying. If the official actually saw what actually happened... Oh, it, was, it was shocking. Keon Daniel. Yeah. It, was, it was disgraceful. And if it was better referee, and then... Yeah. There's well, that you can say about that a lot of MLS games, right? Yeah. Um, a couple of points that we should go to hit on for July uh, that were outside the MLS, or kind of outside, but off the field or whatever... That was uh, Caleb Clark was loaned out to Osberg in that month. Uh, it kind of ended a saga of what's going on with Caleb Clark because mm. he wasn't on the barely on the training pitch, wasn't playing for PDL. We were wondering what's going on yeah. with him. So that that kind of ended that. He was on the one year loan that started in July. It'll end next June. Please for him, I, and I still don't think we'll we'll see him back. No, ever playing for the no, Whitecaps again. No. He got his freedom finally. Yeah. The extended yeah. Kenny Miller's contract. That in, that's in worked out well. I, I remember <laughs> I, when it was the media match later in the year and Martin Rennie was doing his little fun team talk bef- before we went out. Lots of jokes about lots of the players, one of them being Kenny Miller, got a six-month extension, done nothing since. And that's that's pretty much how it was, really. Yeah, that groin really came into play. One of the things that, uh, one of the big things for the residency that in the month of July was finals week. Oh yeah, I'm trying, the, trying to forget about job, that. The yeah. screw job oh, that, that the USDA. So the, now, Michael and I'm not sure about you guys, but Michael was definitely shocked. I was not shocked about this at all because it was clear that I've I've been saying it from the year before that the yeah. USDA does not want the Whitecaps. They're trying to keep them out of the playoffs, trying to keep them out of the finals week. They just don't want them anywhere close to being a chance that they're going to win the title. They, they, don't, don't want to acknowledge how well their players play by not putting them in there. Giving them yeah, yeah, serious. Like that, that, that draw, it made no sense to me. Yeah, You've got all. three of the top four ranked teams in the same group of four. It's yeah. like, that's, and the, the cap struggled. I mean, with the opposition like that, with heat like that, they they just never well, stood a chance. The, the, they were the three top teams, Albertson, the Red Bulls, Whitecaps were three. And then the fourth team they put in was a rival. Who they know the white the, the yeah, rival team Seattle. is going to want is going to build up their team to try to go after the white caps. At least we beat them. Out. Yeah, we beat them. We we uh, and we drew Albertson and we lost one nothing to the Red Bull. So it was. But the, the last game is pathetic. Why are yeah. they doing a placing game? It was it was no point of that. Once once you're eliminated, you should be able to go home and stuff. Like that. that was the third game, right? The no, the fourth. No, game. they they played oh, a fifth. They yeah. played a fourth That's game. Of the we week. lost that, right? Yeah, but because yeah. the kids weren't into it, obviously well, at that yeah. point. Their hearts were broken. It was a shame. Now, the PDL clinched the playoff spot this year, but they lost to the Portland Timbers on penalties. And were the Yeah, I was, uh, I was following the game on Twitter, and yeah. poor Sam Adekutbe missed the, the vital penalty, but that will make a man of him. Yes. Yeah. So that brings us nicely onto August. Scottish man. August, August. He took that penalty against their, their U18 team, remember? In the court. Yeah, he finished it. Very August started off with a 1-1 draw in Portland. 
Streamers in Portland, good times. Yeah, not the result we had hoped for. It was a solid. Uh, they still yeah. drew. They they were. They, it was Usted's. Uh, that was the that was debut. The, uh, Carl, Carl Valentine predictable. Jordan Harvey. Hey, we're gonna score here. Usted did debut in that game as well. And Jordan Harvey once again showing his worth over Alain Rashad. <laughs> Alain Rashad mentioned. Yay. Have a drink. They came back to BC Place and they actually played well. Kofi as the holding midfielder shut down Lenhart and uh, Alan Gordon. They won two nothing over the Quakes. Yeah, no, Gersh was playing his nat- he was playing as a single holding midfielder. Yeah, that's, that's looked- his natural position. That's where he wants to be. Yeah, you. I mean, you've, you've talked to Gersh a lot. Do you think that is where he wants to play this coming season? And do you think that's where he will play? Uh, I don't know about Will. I, I, when you talk to Gersh, you say, Gersh, if you could play anywhere in any formation, where would it be? It would be in front of the back four. Yeah. And and I think ideally as a, a single shield as opposed to a double shield. I, I like him playing there. And I, I think he definitely has a future for the Whitecaps playing there. I do think, though, that I could see Carol Robinson going with a 4-2-3-1 a formation. If we actually have any strikers that can play that one. But I, I could see him going with two holding midfielders. Possibly Rio Coker with Kofi, or maybe even Leveron with Kofi. Oh, I don't. I want to see. Uh, if it's four two three Johnny one at the back. Yeah, I want to see, yeah. If it's four two three one, then it's going to be. If it ha- you presume it would be Gersh and Nigel. Nigel. I, I think it'll be because Gersh. They both can do. Yeah, I think yeah. it'll be Gersh and Rio, but I think Rio will have more of a kind of what do you want to say like floating, like like be have the freedom to move forward yeah, as much yeah. as he wants to, and then Gersh will essentially be that one guy in front of the thing for most of the game. Yeah, assuming Rio Coker suits up first. Johnny is well, like with uh, Malud when we first saw Malud, like the center back that can pass like that. That's gold, man. Especially in a league at this level, right? I miss Momo. Yeah. So they they went to Colorado on a trip, lost two nothing there. Which, um, in the grand scheme of things, was big yeah, because Colorado but is you, it came down to really. You really weren't expecting to beat them, though. It's, it's, but it's you had no, we, we had a ter- we have a shocking performance that day. Yeah. It was awful. It wasn't as bad as the one bef- the following later on in the year, but it was. That's the that's the kind of team she should be beating. Yeah. If you're going to make yeah. the top five, Colorado's one of those teams you have to beat. And or at least draw. We, get we some won points there out last of it. year. We won in Colorado, Independence Day in 2012. There's no reason why we shouldn't have done it again, and Barry we played Robson terrible. Did. Yeah, no Barry Robson. That's that's why I think. No, well, <laughs> they should at least drew, played enough of a game to draw. And not lose because uh, that, that even that taking two points out of Colorado and adding a point to Vancouver would have gotten us in the playoffs. But so all, even all, draw all the good work yeah. and the way that they played in New York, in Seattle, in DC, in Kansas City, it went out the window. There was none of that in Colorado. They went back to being boring and just horrible. Sitting back and hoping. Yep. And we're not going to see that this year. I'm pretty sure. Carl Robinson's promised attacking oh, yeah. football. You can't go gung ho every single no. week. I understand that. But it's going to be a lot more entertaining on the road. Um, they came back home. They played the LA Galaxy. The again. game, a game they, sh- a lot of people say they should have won. Um, there's your Jordan Harvey. Okay, that was like, how how can you miss that? Like that was like I know Jordan did a lot of good things this year, but that was like, inc- I don't care who you are, that was incredibly yeah. Disappointing. And that was the that was uh, who's. Or Andy's first game back, right? and, he, and, he and he was sparking that first no, 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 the three know. minutes in, and yeah. he was like, "Where the hell are you going, Andy?" You know, yeah, yeah. That it was, was a tough game. 
So a couple of uh, off the field stuff that happened. Um, quickly, Herzog was loan. O'Brien this time was extended instead of Miller. Like he was in July, so question is really strange now because if they do sign Demerit, they're going to be stuck with yeah, two it, old, aging, injury, injury prone. prone. Yeah, and it's I I obviously keep O'Brien over Demerit. Everyone knows my feelings on that. Don't sell <laughs> Andy O'Brien. Okay, is there a market <laughs> for him? Is there a reason? Uh, is there a market I, I for think Andy O'Brien? Yeah, signed him to, to stop the clamor of League One clubs trying to take yeah, him back so over. But I think I think if the League One club at this point want, if they do sign Demerit, I think he might go over to League One uh, to a team or yeah. a championship team that somebody might take Demerit on a no no no. The thing is, like now, I can't no, see Jay no. leaving Vancouver. I can't L- see him leaving looking. Huh? Off the field with O'Brien as well, yeah. and like all the problems that O'Brien's had in the past, Vancouver's been a great place for him. Yeah. It's it's so settled, it's so laid back, it suits him down at the ground. From from speaking to to Paul Ritchie last year, he said that the work that Andy O'Brien does with the younger players that they really look up to him. He would be a far better mentor for the likes of Jackson Farmer than Jay Demerit would oh, be. Oh, I I hundred percent. If I had a choice, I would keep Andy O'Brien over Jay Demerit. I don't see it happening. Because of other circumstances. Well, the thing with Kaylor now, they kind of have to keep Demerit because if you lose, yeah. if you lose two they're faces, put on the you, yeah. you lose two faces, and you, you lost Lee. He was on the posters. Yeah. Miller might not come back. It's no like, matter, yeah. you know, Andy O'Brien has admitted himself he's not really a face that you want to sell yeah. to people because he doesn't have a great looking no. face. And it's a face you put in front of the fire to keep the kids away. So uh, <laughs> that happened. Um, we also had uh, the reserve season ending. It was four wins, two losses, four draws. It was a, actually a decent team, considering that a lot of people say we don't have enough depth. But it was a lot of the young players guys, yeah. playing that. Sam playing almost, I almost think he played 80% of the games at left back in the, in the reserve game. Far too short a season. And, yeah. Will it be addressed this year? Yeah. Will we do more with our tie up with Charleston? We'll, we'll see. And they also signed uh, Sam Malikubi as a homegrown after the reserve season ended, which was a huge thing. That was August? Yeah. So that was a huge thing that happened. Um, uh, Sam, I think, I think definitely should be, if not... I think he should be fighting for the number one spot. I think they should give him every opportunity to take it over for Jordan Harvey. So that was for August. Sam Malikubi signs and we move on to September. Yep, wake me up when September ends. Oh. September, the month of September, where there was one shining moment surrounded by a whole lot of crap. Yep, my holiday in Santa Barbara had a great thing. It <laughs> uh, started off with a 2-2 draw with Shivas. I enjoyed that day immensely because I was on the slides at Cultus Lake. Oh, yeah. You, <laughs> you, you know missed the... Eric Hurtado's... Well, the double save anyway from Shivas that, that cost Eric Hurtado his first MLS goal. Yeah. But it was the, initially it started off horribly because I did watch the game eventually, but um, it started off horribly because Eric Torres all of a sudden became oh, like... He made your Torres striker. a new one. Yeah. yeah. Well, that... Okay, that... Okay. I think we may have talked about this briefly before. That whole, I think it was the first, the first goal was a scissor kick, and the second yeah. was a header. So yeah. the first goal, the reason it happened is because of MLS officiating and how it's different than Europe. And I know he's been here, been at the time he'd been here for over a year, but Kenny Miller, if you go back and watch the tape, 
is fouled at midfield yeah, on that yeah, play. Yeah. Oh, clearly. He's, he's, yeah, he's fouled. So, yeah, there's not, there's, not, there's not the major crunching contact. He is fouled. No call. He's looking at the ref like, what's going on? Yeah. And then the ball goes out wide, put in the cross. Ball goes in. He puts it up in the air. Doesn't know where it's going. And this wonder strike from yeah. Eric Torres. So, it was, it was also, it was Andy O'Brien's second game back. He still wasn't into the full system and everything. He had he was playing with David Osset for the first time. Yeah. There might have been not enough communication. It was just a he, you know. I mean, he mishit the header. Yeah, he mishit the header and then didn't know where going. Then after he hit it, then maybe the communication. And he was playing right. with Johnny. No, I think uh, a fair point of this is yeah, is Andy O'Brien may have rushed been rushed back from his injury and a lack of reserve games at the time probably played a role in that. Yeah, because they, well, they the brought point. back Carlisle too, yeah. right? Like and Jay Demare was forced in. It's something that you know Andy O'Brien needed that fitness, and he never got it because the reserves. Like yeah. we were talking about last month, the reserve league, uh, season is just too short. Yeah, and too sporadic as well. The months between games. Sometimes. The the worst thing for me about the Chivas match was how excited they were to draw. It was like Chivas? you know, yeah. even the way, even though it was like a epic ending, oh, yeah. and it was, it's still like you, you know, it could have been like, uh, you know, it wasn't an exciting moment. Yeah. Oh well, it was because it was Tommy who scored. Yeah, of I course. Mean, well, like, but still, yeah. it was like it's you know, this is not something to celebrate, no, man. No, and no. to me, it was like celebrating that something was weird for me, right? Yeah. It was like we're we're not going to the playoffs, man. No. We've lowered our standards. They, we're celebrating this like it means something. Because they took the they failure. Took, they took the momentum of that Chivas game next week and went to Dallas where they played Stunk. one of the yeah. worst games Stunk. this season. Well, this was a time of the year too where we were letting all these early goals, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Putting game so far. Game. Well, they yeah. I think they opened the scoring against Dallas. Kobayashi scored. Yeah, yeah. oh, that was a brilliant. And then, and, but then they allowed yeah. Dallas to get right back in the game yeah, really yeah. quickly after that. The interesting thing for me after the Chivas game was in the dressing room, the younger players and the more inexperienced players were saying, oh yeah, it was a, it's a good win, it's good momentum for us. And Kenny Miller and David Oustead yeah. were really honest and Real Coker, yeah. And Real Coker yeah. saying, yeah, we've, we've got a fight in our hands. We have to win yeah. these games coming up. We need basically to win two or three of these away games. And they knew the situation. And it was good that they did, but it's also disappointing that the other players either didn't or didn't want to publicly. Yeah, no, I know. That's what I felt leaving BC Place that day. I didn't, you know, as exciting as that moment of tying it was and how loud the crowd was, I was actually surprised at the roar. Because it was a casual fan not realizing how bad Chivas is and this should have been a wrong. I don't know. Whatever it was, I just left there going, this is not good, you know? The, the, like we said, we're talking about the next game, FC Dallas. That was another kind of, again, nobody expecting, like Michael said, this is the game you should win, but nobody expecting considering their past history of going into Dallas. But the end of the game was the one that part of the, that was disappointing to me. The, the tactics that Rennie used of putting YP Lee, if you're going to substitute him in, you put him all the way up at a wing spot where he has no real ability to hold on to the ball and he just gave away the ball so cheaply and they came back and scored so easily I think that was the writing on the wall for Rennie or the start of it at least with that game and weird substitutions and I mean that that three game away stretch that was coming up I don't know whether you can say that it was if it was October that ruined the cap season or whether it was September we're going to come to the Montreal game where we got the win if we hadn't got that three points, that was the season over at that it was point. Done, yeah, at yeah. That point. 
I think the club knew Martin was not coming back as soon as we did not win the Voyager's Cup, but that's another debate for another time. So this is yeah when Lee Young Kyo. This is you're talking Dallas away when he's brought in and I, and they kept Rio Coker at, at right back. Yeah, it, it was awkward. It was whatever. I I don't I don't think it was as crazy as or you know. Well, why would you put Rio Coker at right back? Well, it's because it was playing there, which is what they said after the game. They wanted to keep the continuity. Yeah, but, I know. But you put the person who's where you played the most yeah. of the season. It was, in that it spot. was bizarre. Rio Coker could have got a little bit of a break of because he was being harassed by I think it was Jackson or yeah, Car- was well, Castillo, yeah. one of the one of those two guys. They were just harassing him the whole game. Could have given him a break and get somebody more fresher in the right back spot, and then you would have maybe been able to avoid something on that last on the game winning goal. The third goal, obviously, people are still saying Usted gave up that goal when from half. But who cares about what you need to do at that? Yeah, who cares about that? Yeah, I mean, you've seen it before. I mean, we've all seen semen lobbed from distance. Yes, we traveled up to our friends in Quebec, and then uh, I didn't know we had friends in Quebec. That was I was using quotation marks. Ah, Yeah, that's always good for a podcast. So uh, they, they, and that was a surprising win because everybody had kind of written them off after FC Dallas, and then yeah. they go into Montreal and then they score that goal early, and then they just hold on. But they scored a couple of late goals, obviously by Camilo. Because yeah, I know, I know, Michael had that game predicted as a loss. Yeah, that's a tough one because uh, you know emotionally it gave you that hope again, but really in your head, you know, I was still they're they're just done, done and dusted, right? But. It sucks to get that uh, emotional oh. uh, boost, right? Thinking I, there's still hope. I liked in the uh, much. But there was, but there was that one. Those, uh, both his goals got assist. Yeah, I always thought that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What the? Yeah. There was yeah. there was, uh, was uh, kind of a little bit of a karma issue with uh, the, in the Montreal game as well because there was that controversial call. Mm-hmm. Um, if everybody remembers the where the they decided to. Oh yeah, yeah. The it was a ball. Yeah, the handball. Oh, yeah. It was a penalty. It wasn't a penalty. It was a penalty. It wasn't a penalty. Yeah. It so, was. It was also. True. It was also ironic that yeah, Montreal supporters. I don't know if anyone saw it. Uh, aside from the Tifo, the Vini, or Sobrango, the one two seven Montreal or one two seven MTL in the corner, not the ultras. At some point during the game, they held up a. Je me souviens banner yeah. with Hosen Camera holding his finger yeah, to his ear after yeah. he scored the winning goal in the Voyager's Cup. It was pretty awesome. That's pretty good team for yeah. right there. Yeah. It sucks for us, but it's no, good. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's what we need. We need more of that. We need more winding up. We need more yeah, animosity. Yeah, we sure. need more hatred. We're working in a nice way. Yeah. You can't build now. hatred unless you win, right? Yeah. So they return from Montreal. They come and that, back. that was the end. No, no, no. We still have to talk about no, one more game. No, that didn't happen. Quickly. <laughs> they played a team that was oh. looking forward to a USF Open Cup final. And gave us, resting, the game. gave us the game. Resting a majority of players. A lot of the I remember the pregame show was had the three points already on the table. Yeah, they were right. saying where they're going to be in the table after this game, yeah. basically putting them all there. They showed up against the RSL reserve squad and lost one nil. Okay, here a couple things. Our the RSL second string or whatever is is pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. It Part, should still not be beating us at home. Team no, I know, but aside from the fact that we did not maybe approach the game mentally the right way, they're, they're a pretty good side. Partly, as you said, yeah, partly it's the system, partly because I think of the way they rotate their, their, their players in and out. Yeah. They played together that Wednesday or earlier that week in a reserve game, so there was continuity. There was like, 
for all those guys, they're oh, like, here's our chance. Here's our chance to maybe yeah. make a, a push through the cup final or to be an earlier substitute yeah. in the cup final or whatever. And like they were they were just yeah. they were more hungry. Hey, they, made, they, made real, they made real Coker's big fan of their system, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. Because that was when he was like talking about yeah. after the game system, this and then they have a oh, perfect yeah. system. Yeah. System gate, yeah. Yeah. System you gotta you gotta come out though and be prepared for that, right? You know it's like some Chihuahua is gonna come out. Beep, 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 and you just freaking swat it down, and you're done, right? It's unbelievable. You have to know that yeah. as a professional oh, yeah. athlete, yeah. as a playing at that level, you know they're gonna come out like young and brash and whatever, right? And you gotta have that attitude to go, oh, yeah, no, that's not happening here. This, this is a, your little brother beating you. Yeah. Seriously, exactly. right? What was even more embarrassing than it as well was Eisted got the man of the match. So you've got your goalkeeper winning man of the match mm-hmm. against a, a B team. Yeah. Which tells you that nobody else showed up in that the game. Per- yeah. The performance was shocking. Oh, shocking. Yeah. Yeah. The, Salt Lake also outshot us 12 to 10 and on target 5 to 1. That's just frightening. And the one was late, if I recall, because I remember thinking at one point, we haven't had a shot, shot yet. Yeah. Do we, we, we hit a post, though, and that didn't count as a shot in that game? I can't remember. Still yeah. doesn't make it Let's just forget about no, it. Yeah, it was yeah. bad. So that was the month of September. The final month of the season for the Whitecaps would prove to be the final month, even though they had a chance to make the playoffs, was October. Started off with a huge game against Portland. Ended up in a true-do draw. But what Michael McCall calls one of the most exciting three minutes of football he's seen in a while. No, it was like 140 seconds. 140 seconds. It's, like, like, it's going back to the Almost three minutes. After the <laughs> game match yeah. for you. <laughs> It, it was a it was an entertaining game. If you were a neutral watching it, I'm sure you thought it was one of the the most exciting Cascadia Cup games of the season. From a Whitecaps point of view, it was exhilarating, heartbreaking. That game, of course, had Camillo's goal of the season scissor kick in amongst all the excitement. And ah, uh, Camillo, what a player he was. But where is he now, anyway? Yeah. So I think we'll talk about it later on the podcast. Yeah. Final thing I just wanted to say about the, the Portland game. It was a really disappointing crowd. It wasn't a sellout 21,000. Yes, and, for a and late arriving. Derby. Yeah, oh, that was, was just... It was brutal. Weird. Oh, yeah. Brutal. Terrible. So we did, yeah, we did, we did this TIFO before, yeah. and we had to pull people in yeah. because we needed every and seat filled. And then it made it look and then, and then you look at the wide, yeah, yeah. yeah, you look at the wide view and all the all seats are empty. Seats. And it's like... Yeah, yeah. terrible. We, I mean, execution, we started it thing too early, but still... So they followed up with that Cascadia game with uh, the Seattle win, where it was 4-1. Uh, everybody uses that hashtag now uh, for Seattle. Um, it was the breakthrough game for Kakuta Mane, who exploded all over CenturyLink Field. Yeah, he really came out that game. So what do you guys... That, that was You guys went on that trip with a huge game. Oh, it was yeah. uh, exhilarating, probably. Um, it, it, was an incre- it was an incredible experience. We... Um, we as supporters we did a way tifo for the Cascadia game this year, kind of simple but like traditional kind of thing. So we did uh, the the two sticks, uh, which you know Brad Bird and John Humphreys kind of organized for 
the first game in Seattle, the 2-6, we did streamers all together in Portland. And this one we wanted to do kind of flags. And so we were in the ground at 2 o'clock in the afternoon for a 7 o'clock kickoff. And so we spent literally like five hours setting, like making that section like Vancouver supporters section. It, it was it was great. It was like a labor yeah. of love. We were there for forever. And then to have, you know, the 400-ish people that were there come in and wave the 300 plus flags that had been set up and kind of just own, like own our part of the stadium. And then to have our players who we were supporting and cheering on vocally and visually then literally like own Seattle. It was... It was. Yeah. I, I've never seen that in my decade of supporting the Cavs. Seen them own Seattle in that way, especially in their own ground, and it was like, it, it was, was amazing, and stunning performance. And then uh, with Kakuta's, like we said, Kakuta's big game. What do you guys like think of him going into next year too? Like, like I, I think I think like a lot of people suggested. Uh, we're wondering, will he be able to play a central role? Everybody was seeing him as a wide player before, but that game, he worked so well. Which he, I mean, which he did do for the Austin Aztecs. The Aztecs, yeah. A lot of centrally. So, yeah, I think one thing for sure, and I know, I'm not one of those people who says it was horrible, but I think this offseason he definitely needs to work on his goal celebrations. Like, that <laughs> that, that has some, some, you know, some, that's an area he can prove his game. Um, no, I, yeah, I think, especially with, What's going on with Camilo? There, there's a high probability that we have seen he's him gotta, the he's, I think he's got to put on some muscle. Yeah, he's going to get really light. Well, he can't play. It, it uh, he's on, not going to play a full season. Do you, do you, no, remember, but, the, do you remember that tackle away in, away yeah, in New York? Yeah, absolutely. That yeah, was the one that yeah, comes to mind yeah. for but, sure. But he started working on that because they did that MLS insider thing that MLS does. I don't know what, what, it, what it's actually called. But he, they said, they mentioned that, that, he, that tackle yeah. in New York, that he actually started working Yes, on his right. on his yeah. uh, strength and everything after that, he was exclu- yeah. like exclusively worked on that. I think he's going to be a decent. He's he was in the. I think he's involved in the HPP program. I believe he is, but he should be much fitter, ready to go this season. I I still think if they play two strikers up top, I think he should be a third option. If they play a four two three one, I think he should be one of the wing players, but have the ability to cut inside if he when he needs to. I I don't think he should start. From the off, I would rather that we have two experienced strikers and bringing him on as a sub. He yeah. is still too lightweight. He, we don't know how much he can bring. We don't know if he's very one-dimensional, if he's just got pace, if they're just going to kick hell out of him. Because if I was a player, oh, yeah. I'd just try and like take the him down. You have to catch him, yeah. of course, which is... Oh no no corner kicks free yeah. kicks you're leaning on him putting little uh, weight on his shoulders all the time wearing him down oh yeah so uh, that led uh, the weekend where um, Portland played Seattle Seattle needed a win to win the Cascadia Cup they didn't come up with that win and Vancouver lifted the trophy it was a glorious evening yep. to have a vested interest in a game between the two of them and in such a big way and then to have the result come through the way it did and it was like it was a great derby like yeah. it was incredible that elbow from um, Ozzy Alonso yeah. was like, oh, yeah. I was like we had perf- I had a perfect view of it and, and like, then to have the card signed by the referee and give it to a Portland fan it was the assistant referee oh was it the assistant referee they eventually got to the bottom of it even so it's like yeah Oh, it was oh, funny as hell though because yeah, it, oh, it didn't yeah. affect us. Because yeah, that guy was right there after we he was right there with it in the in the front of the now, TA. After the game, you had the trophy. After you the, took it on a tour from So after the game, it was, so this I mean, Michael, you're part of the story. This this story goes back what a six four years, five years, yeah, two thousand nine. Yeah, so four years ago or whatever, 
when we lost it, or when we were about to potentially yep. lose it, Michael, myself, and uh, everyone's favorite uh, guy who sells ice cream in Hong Kong named Ricky Pack, uh, drove down with the trophy, and when we didn't get the result, we, the three of us, and a bunch of other people went over and gave it to them, and so... Um, still, like Even though that was a horrible experience, that was still one of the most fun experiences I've had at a football game, just being part of that. Trans- it, transporting the cup down, handing it over on the pitch... Getting abuse. And uh, yeah, as painful as that was, the, the thing I appreciate is this is all about relationship and community. And as much as I really strongly hate or dislike their club, especially the 90 minutes we're playing them or when they need to re- they're getting a result that doesn't work for us, like I really appreciate the people that are there. And, and uh, even, even in Seattle, I've grown to, to appreciate some of the people that are there as well. Yeah. But we upset some of them because, yes, on the way home, what we did was... Um, Jeff Tinker and I uh, were, were oh sure bring Jeff into it it was all your plan <laughs> we were blessed with the opportunity to be the people who drove the cup home or whatever and so we just saw, as we were driving we thought you know the morning started we're like we're taking all these pictures and whatever we're like let's just stop at some places and take some photos with the cup and so some of them are picturesque like Mount Hood and Mount St. Helens sorry and um and then some of them were like, hey, let's stop at some historic places that have been meaningful yeah, yeah. In, the, in the history of the cup, especially for, for us as well. And so we stopped at Starfire, which is the last place we won it, yeah. where a busload of supporters were down and had a great time. And, uh, you know, Wesley Charles and all these great little stories that came out of that. So we took some pictures there in the spirit of like, this has been meaningful for the cup. And we stopped at other places. We stopped at, at CenturyLink, kind of just outside CenturyLink, took some pictures and posted them. Obviously, some people in the in the ECS, you know, did not take kindly to that and were a little bit uh, put off by that and felt like we were we were uh, enticing them or whatever, which well, is not, them. Which yeah. is not the spirit of what we were doing. Well, they just need to try and win it next year, yeah. then, right? And then they can walk around they UBC if they want take to take Swangard pictures. Yeah. Or Someone did ask that, like, would you be offended if we went to Swangard? And I'm like, I'd be offended, but I think that's awesome. And they brought up the whole tank thing that Portland did, and I was like. It wasn't frustrating for me, and I know our armed service people are feel disrespected in one sense, but for me, it was frustrating, but it was also like, it's awesome because they showed that they, you know, they I, showed how they... I they didn't get that at all, because any day of the week, you can pass those tanks, and there's like Japanese tourists climbing all over yeah, and yeah. getting their photos taken, so I, I, I didn't see any disrespect there. Yeah. So, um... Let's leave the Cascadia Cup because we were really at that point really hitting Let's the playoff just keep stride. Let's reliving that over. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we were hitting that, the. That was like one of our first, first we were at four. our highest yeah. point of the season. It's like we just beaten Seattle. Yeah, we just won the Cascadia Cup. Our playoff fate was in our own hands. Yeah, exactly. We were totally ready to go. They had a trip to Colorado. They lost the early yeah. game, the first game that they went to Colorado. Maybe there was some hope there. But nothing happens. No. Unfortunately, those hands that were holding our playoff hopes were covered in butter. And they lost three. Teams. I was mentally and emotionally prepared to uh, not make the playoffs well before then. So, yeah. But there was that hope yeah. after the Seattle game, was right? before, was But hope. now but I was so Colorado convinced Colorado was we're playing doing it. well. They had a quality side with the additions and all that sort of stuff. I had no expectations to take in four points from But Colorado. the way the game went, were you satisfied with it or did the Colorado game? Well, you, you know how I feel about, about the greatest the, uh, goal ever oh, scored against yeah. us. I, that was, that's shocking, right? The, the, y, the YP, the, the yeah, retirement the goal. goal kick, uh, the goal kick, two bounce, flip over. Or I felt bad, so bad for Mitch on that. For Mitch? Yeah. He, he, he just missed it. He just, mistimed yeah, the header yeah, or, or thought he could get it. Yeah, and I yeah. think that put Lee off. Yeah, that's, like if, if Mitch Mitch had not sh- shaved his head or cut his hair recently or something like that, he probably would have directed that ball differently. 
if you grew it a frog. To me, right, it's yeah. like that's you punching them in the kidneys, whatever that takes, man. You know, pulling the shorts down, whatever is happening. You can't just let that stuff happen. And, and Kakuda had another wonderful terrible, goal terrible. in that game. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, there were hope there, but nothing happening. Yeah. And, and we found out at that point, too, that Kenny Miller was done. And he was off in Sweden. Well, he, he was done before that. There's, he should not have come on during that game. Yeah. yeah. And he should not have been on the bench. And to bring him down there, when you've got, what's the point of having these other players in the squad if yeah. you don't trust them to bring them down? And they could have said, well, we would have had a player short. So? Yeah. You don't put on a guy, especially in altitude, that isn't fit and wasn't even training. He was like sitting out at training sessions. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was a little bit frustrating. That game was over. Playoffs hopes were over. We still have one Season game to play. Season was over. Martin Rennie's career was over. Yeah. We had one more game to play. Came back. Played that same Colorado team. And this Colorado team had something to play for. Yeah. They had a chance to get like a fourth or even a bye or something yeah. like that. And we beat them 3 nothing. It cost them. And Camilo got the golden boot. Yeah, and then he booted us. It was uh, and it was Liam Kyo's final game. And Sam's first game. Sam's, Sam's, Sam's first, first game, game was all yeah. And that was a special moment. I think I'll remember, now that this whole Camilo thing happened. I think I'll remember that for that game. Slide tackle the in issues. the box. Yeah, Sam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then he didn't look out of place. Yeah. He didn't look out of place at all. He yeah. looked, he looked strong. I know a lot of people are saying that he was protected by. Rio Coker and Demerit. But you know what? Aren't you supposed to protect your defenders yeah, like that, that anyways? Yeah. No, people said that. I've heard people say that. So, you know... He was, well, I think it was good that the Nigel and Jay were there beside him. Well, yeah, it helped. Well, I'm sure if yeah. somebody else was there, it wouldn't have yeah. been gone so well. But you need to protect your everybody, each other, right? Yeah, I, sure. I'll tell you, I don't think we talked about this at the time. What really annoyed me about that game... The walk-around? Yeah, the way they celebrated at the end of it. Okay, YP Lee was retiring. He'd only played for us for two seasons. I don't really see what the huge oh, deal no, of it was. Legend. But International yeah. legend. Tottenham. But we'd lost, our season was over. We'd failed to meet the playoffs. We had just shown in that game what we should have been showing the week before. And they were well, celebrating. The before, the two months before. Oh, yeah. But the fans were celebrating as if. It they were was celebrating like, the Cascadia Cup. That's so, what they were celebrating. No, so this they is, no, no, they Well, were. that's what the, te- the, the team support, was carrying around the cup. The, su- there. the supporters were. So this, is, so this was difficult for us as supporters. So what happened? As soon as we won the Cascadia Cup, we came back. There were all these media requests. You know, oh, can we get you on the news? Where are you right now? We'll come to you right now. Where are you? Let's get to the other stuff. And we were like. No, this ne- this needs to go from the supporters to the team back to the supporters. It needs to happen in a meaningful way. We contacted the club. We yeah. said, "Hey, this is what we'd like to do." Uh, some uh, supporters, uh, supporters, some of us were talking about what's the best, and we said, "Can we have a get together Thursday night? A surprise? You just tell the players there's a meeting, UBC, wherever. We don't care. A, a meeting. We'll get literally hundreds of supporters there. We'll hand out this thing. It'll be like go to Colorado and finish the next job." And we were with you, and, it, and the club was like, oh, we're not allowing them to do any, any, any things outside of, uh, you know, whatever, no yeah. public appearances anymore. They need to be focused on this. And well, they weren't very focused in that Colorado game. It was, it was, it was <laughs> frustrating. So, Michael, I agree with you in one sense that it was very awkward and, and not great. But that day, as much as it sucked for everyone, and sucked for us as supporters... It was like the that that was the only time to celebrate the Cascadia Cup, and so as we talked to, as supporters talked to the club about what is this going to look like? Yeah, there was there was like how 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 do we make this look? How do we make this meaningful? 
And yet the day is such a crappy day. You know what made it worse? The, when they were walking around the stadium and everything? Because they've done that before. They've walked around the stadium. They've thanked mm-hmm. the fans yep. and everything. What made it worse was that, in my opinion, that the FO allowed so many photographers on the field where it made it look like it was a championship yeah. walk around. And that's what they gave it a bad impression yeah, of that's they're true. celebrating something. Because there was, there was, I think it was six, seven photographers there was two, three camera crews and stuff like that. So it made it look like it was more of a celebration of instead of and just again, you know, again, thanking the fans, again, which they've done in the past. And again, though, as much as it doesn't take away from the, the frustration from it all, that had that, the m- number of media people had to do with Lee Young Kyo retiring. There's yeah. 80 members of the Korean yeah. media. Well, you should have, you should have not given the field pass to them. You should have said you take pictures from come on, off come the on. That's, that's, yeah, right. I'm just telling you, that's no. what gave it the bad impression of for like people like Michael. Now, the, the thing for me, and it's like, I know people's not going to agree with this, but that day to me summed up what is wrong with the vast majority of the fan base in this city in which they will accept mediocrity. Mm and they do not push the team hard enough. It's like, we could have another crap season last year, this year, and fans will still buy season tickets, and they'll still turn up. Yeah, that was the cheapest game for me. Yeah, it's... Yeah! It's like, there's a a level of mediocrity that is accepted here. It should not be accepted here. It wouldn't be accepted in Europe. And I know you can't compare MLS with Europe too much, but football is football. It's about winning. You should not be going to support a team expecting them to win. Otherwise, everyone would support... I was going to say Man United, but that's a bad example just now. <laughs> but you shouldn't be picking a team expecting to win, but you should be challenging that team, letting your feelings know at the game, booing players, booing performances, and making it known that you will not take bad results and bad attitudes and bad performances. And we as a movement struggle with this as well. Like, How do we... You know, what, Lee's retiring, we won the Cascadia Cup, Sam's first match, all these things that you want to honor. and yet a carnival fest. Yeah. yeah carnival it affected, it affects so, my movement. I'll, I'll tell you what, so, so, wasn't a carnival festival. When you went into that dressing room, oh, yeah. you saw what players really hurt. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I'll yeah. tell you something, Paul Ritchie was absolutely gutted. Yeah. He sat there as if like the world was ending, probably because he knew that they, his, they his knew, time was ending. Yeah, but Mar- Marius Rofta and Carl Robinson were quite jovial and jolly, and it's like they're the guys that's still here. So that that was an interesting dynamic. And the thing is, also, Paul Ritchie was not sitting with Martin Rennie either no he, he was, was sitting, sitting with, with, the, with the players it was hard to see who looked more like Droopy because they were both really really yeah. well best down. Brad Knighton's that's natural just, yeah. expression so he's that's 24 so the one thing we did to honor or to show how disappointed we were was we wore black and we were like yeah. Yeah. this is one way we can say the season's yeah. dead it's like a memorial it's like but you know, but we were still there and still vocal, and still so that wasn't like a costume for like darkness and stuff like that. No, when no. you weren't wearing costumes, you were just wearing. Oh, of course, because it was it was fancy. Yeah, dress. so that that I think that makes it also that doesn't help when you have your this traditional yeah. fancy dress day on a day that is. Which so was me that yeah, introduced that to yeah. the south side, so you can hold yeah. me responsible for that. I blame you those, every year, Michael. Those that led to the carnival atmosphere, right? Yeah. Even the kids before the match running around yeah. on the field and. All that stuff was, it was over, right? There was no point to that game, really. And something else that was over two days later was Martin Rennie's tenure as Whitecaps manager. Broken by AFTN. Yes. Good decision. Are we regretting it now after how the off-season's played out? Well, I don't, I don't, I think... Absolutely. 
<laughs> no, I, I I don't think you, I, I I don't think yeah, I was seeing if, if you take if you if you if you it's hard to take some of the things that some of these people have said at face value because we know it's not the truth or we've heard so many times yeah. before and it's and you have to happened. you have to think as well. There's a lot of bitter people because of the yeah. way they've been let go, so you kind of have to take some of the stuff that they're saying with a pinch of salt. Yeah, but but if if you if you take the whole hey we've been so tied up with this whole coaching thing. You you got to think that other things would have been done, and I know That's, I know for sure Martin Rennie would not have a like would would have had more dialogue than I think the club did with with um, Camilo. We would have had someone in place to address all the issues. That's but the thing. this is the thing that really irks me, and, and we're going to talk about Camilo later on. But the one thing that really irks me that happened recently when I don't know how direct a quote this was, but when they said everything is on hold until Camilo situation is resolved. Yeah. Why does everything have to be yeah. on hold? Don't you have That's multiple ridiculous. people that should be dealing with these things? Like you should be dealing with all other things as well. Which it, is a, it should which just is be Greg Anderson. Like you're 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 screwing it. your own club over if yeah. you're only. Put, that's what I'm saying. Let them go. Get what you can. Bring on the next person. Which we'll you, you got, there's no there's no first things first. You're yeah. Because right. yeah. yeah. you know Camilo and again we never uh, Camilo was brought off a scrap heap. He was uh, brought on trial and signed. Yeah, he approached us, I believe. Yeah, and the, don't you think there no could be another player like that somewhere where we could get off a scrap well, heap? And it's obviously not player? that easy, though. There, there's always opportunity in soccer. <laughs> there's actually, like on the Whitecaps website, there's a bit in one of the drop-down menus I noticed the other day that if you're an agent or a player, how to get in touch and arrange a trial with Whitecaps. Oh, I didn't know that. Hmm. Okay, so that was October. I set my resume. One <laughs> thing... One thing uh, off the pitch, we, we should mention this. The Red Sea kids went down to UAE, uh, United Arab Emirates, played in the Under-17 World Cup. Didn't get the win, uh, any wins. Did draw twice. Um, obviously Some good the Ar- performances. Obviously, the Ar- Argentina game was a letdown, but, you know, you're playing Argentina. You expect that. And it was three games in an extreme heat. Yeah. It was tough, tough going yeah. for them, even though it was October. Marco Carducci Oh, Mar- Marco's performances yeah. in those games were, yeah, were great fantastic. Saves. Yeah, and and all the kids I think uh, put put in a good effort. I think it shows great for the future of Canada and and the Whitecaps. So that was October. Yeah, and it kind of started uh, an off season of I don't want to quite say disarray, although it kind of feels like that at points. But sure, it's disarray. Let's, yeah, disarray. Yeah, 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 let's disarray. go with disarray. Don't talk about So we'll finish off this podcast by just lumping November and December together. Look at the off-season. It was fairly busy, but whilst other teams and other rivals, and especially Seattle, they were adding players left, right and centre. Lots of trades going on. Everyone in the West seems to be strengthening. We added one player, and we took weeks to replace Martin Rennie. Yeah, it was uh, looking back on it now... It might be uh, questions they've asked about why it took so long, but obviously, at that point, you know, you had a chance to interview Bob Bradley, 
Um, you supposedly were waiting for Jason Christ. Obviously, that wasn't going to happen because we knew he was going immediately to New York. You had a chance to interview some people. You waited on their response before you picked Carl Robinson. Even when Carl Robinson was hired for the press conference, it was a lot of positivity in there. The whole Camilo situation, which we will get to in full detail. Episode 34. Episode 34, which will be released pretty soon after this one. Does the, the whole Camilo situation now look, put the Robinson hiring and how long it took into a different outlook? I think, uh, as maybe we'll discuss later, this is, this they're all kind of part of the, the symptoms of the same problems at our club. I think when it comes down to it. I like the term symptoms. Yeah, and so they're the symptoms of we don't know how to deal, manage and deal people in appropriate and meaningful ways. And so I think when you you have this issue with the coaching, you have this incredibly long, before the season ended, long unclarity from the coaching staff's perspective on what was happening or not happening. That goes into the, this process. Um, say what you want about how they did the process and how they waited for certain people and all that kind of stuff, whatever. It's it's not dealing with people in a, in a, in a great in a great or, or fair yeah. way. And, you, and I think that's similar to what happened with Camilo, which we'll talk about later. But the, so any any thoughts about that, Steve? Well, I agree. I couldn't have said it better. I think you know. To me, it's like I like to look at things in a analytical way and kind of match them into life. And I think you know, it's it. What this reminds me of is like uh, you know a kid whose mother has like eight kids with eight different husbands, and it's never like the mother's fault, right? So it's just this thing that there's something wrong, right? There's something wrong in the FO. There's something wrong happening. And it's like affecting everything around it. So maybe individually, each one of these pieces, maybe you can say Camilo's not their fault. Maybe you can see the coach taking so long is not their fault. Maybe you can say today asking for a transfer is not their fault. Maybe Elaine is not their fault. All these things are not their fault, right? At some point, it's like there's too much that's not your fault. You know, and that's what it comes down to me for me. And then we also in the off season you had Darren Maddox spouting off at that Again, point. Not their fault. Well, it's not their fault, Maddox. It's not their fault. He's an idiot. It's not yeah. their fault. Nothing's their fault. All of these things collectively, mm-hmm. though, right? So right. Exactly. So Maddox, clearly, so, it's not their fault. So Maddox. exactly. So when you look at the press conference for the non-renewal of Martin Rennie's contract, you have the the voice of of this sharing this. And what is said? Oh well, this was a committee decision. This, which was totally deflecting. Nobody's this, fault. Nobody's fault. There's, just, uh, there's five uh, of us. We all make it together. You can't get rid of the five. We of talked us. to the butcher when we went for lunch. You he know, said yeah. I had an opinion there too. Went down, got my haircut at the barber's. He had an opinion. We threw it all together. Not my fault. Stupid barber. <laughs> Paul Barber? <laughs> so Paul Barber's fault. No, it's a barber. What's his name? Down there. Okay. <laughs> I, I I don't think you can... Like, the, the length of time that they took to, to replace Carl Robinson, it wasn't ideal. Oh, wait, they you, replaced Carl Robinson? Oh, sorry. The length of time they Well, they replaced Carl Robinson. They replaced Gordon Forrest. Forrest. Yeah, Gordon yeah. Forrest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking ahead to next year's podcast. <laughs> We'll, we'll save. Don't have to record that bit next year. We we'll just splice that in. I, I don't. I think it was good that they took their time when they when they lost out in Yallop and whether anyone wants to believe it or not, Yallop was somebody that was seriously considered as a replacement. Truth. And it was good that they took their time. All of that should not have deflected from stuff like Camilo in 
in Matix because it's got nothing to do with the manager no. when he gets to that point. It's well, the higher ups and it's the it's Greg Anderson who agrees the contract. He's director of professional teams. Yeah. He he deals with all the contracts. It should just be him that's been because dealing with if you look at that. a different team in the MLS, FC Dallas just recently hired their coach. They were still making moves. And they, they traded off Jackson yeah. and they brought somebody but, else. But, but I will be devil's advocate there and said, if the White Cats were making moves and the, without a manager in place, you know they would be crucified for it by some of the fans, some of the media, because it would be... Because they mentioned this committee word at that press conference. Yeah. So it would be, so who's running the club? You don't have a manager. Why are you signing this player? What if the manager doesn't want that player? And to an extent, that is true. So, whereas I don't think the length of time in, a, in appointing Robinson had anything to do with impacting the Camilo situation, it has impacted our ability to actually sign any players. And we've lost out. Yeah. And we've let players go. Who made those decisions? Was it Bob Bradley? Robinson was consulted for it. Rofter was consulted. Paul Ritchie may or may not have been consulted. But you shouldn't have people having any input in that, which all of them the managerial candidates apparently had when they've got nothing to do with the club. Yeah. So we've let players go. It's too late to bring some of them back. Some of them you don't want back anyway. Some of them shouldn't have been let go. I, but I, what players have we missed signing because yeah. we didn't have a manager? Mm-hmm. But then the, the players are, can't be signed. The transfer window is going to open on uh, the 14th of January. Yeah, which right? so, a lot of folks seem to forget. Which yeah, is, uh, I did till we talked about it at the end of the day. So, yeah, so there is chance. They Obviously, uh, Carl was talking about in the... Uh, media conference call or whatever they had at the airport, um, at the airport that he he even before he was hired as a coach he had planned set up of who he was yeah. going to be targeting so he was Which already you would hope all the candidates would have yeah, yeah. so so he, Should have so been one we, of the questions you would think yeah. right so who, we, who would you like to bring yeah. so we, we and we've even heard of one player who was contacted from a Venezuelan league Argentinian guy um, so th- that's just one player. Marco Aguirre. So not everybody's going to be mentioned. Uh, obviously, it's very hard. To, uh, Steve's obviously got his Google alerts on high alert um, <laughs> to find out who these players are. But we're going to find out soon enough when the signings do come out after the transfer window opens. The, we're, we're threadbare just now. Yeah, very. Th- well, we're not as bad as TFC was last year, but we're pretty close to it. Hey, but look at them now. Yeah, they have th- they had four keepers. We have one, so that's the difference. So what 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 do you guys think? Like obviously we got uh, Camilo going now. Um, what 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 do we need to bring in? What I have right now, for starting wise, I have a striker at least that is capable of starting. Maybe not starting. Maybe we can put Miller as a starter now. If he comes back. If he comes back, um, and then we, obviously a winger. We need a winger. We need an attacking midfielder, um, and then we need a, a couple three right backs. Yeah. So those are the kind of positions we need, and obviously we're going to be uh, filling up the bottom of the depth chart with the homegrown players, hopefully. What's the most important of those needs? Well, I, Doesn't I, everyone miss the fact that we have no one to play right back roulette with? Yeah, anymore? we have no one. So I think, you know, in MLS, the attacking players are a tougher find, right? When we look at Dede and uh, we got to replace him, well, that's been, what, a year and a half now? Kobayashi, you know, they tried to replace him there. It didn't happen. So I think, you know, those are the spots you need your, you know, your DP player, right? So I think we need a solid striker and a solid attacking mid. And then the, the other guys, you know, we've got enough around the club to put in a solid enough starting 11 if we've got an attacking mid and a, and a 
striker who can put the ball in the net. Now Robinson said that he need he wants goals, more goals from throughout the lineup, and he can't. And Boy, obviously that, yeah. and if he gets that, that's going to lessen the the hurt of Camilo going. Because do we did we really expect him to get twenty two goals again this year? Why do maybe, people say maybe that? I expect him to get twenty eight. But maybe maybe not. We don't know that because he he's followed up twelve goals with five or something like that the year after. Played in, in a different position and seven assists. Yeah. Well, we'll see. And then so, if, but if they spread out the goals, if they get three guys, if they get three guys to equal that twenty two that is gone, maybe that's the best way to go. And oh yeah, for score. sure. Well, when you look around, I I wrote a piece looking at how much we relied on Camilo, and when you looked around the rest of the league. Most teams, like their top scorers, were just getting 10, 11, 12 goals and they were sharing the workload. I think Portland, they had two guys at 10, one at 9 or vice versa or something like that. So yeah. lots of the top teams and the teams that went really deep had those goals coming from everywhere and that's what we need. You cannot rely on one player season after season. So in a way, it's kind of good Camilo's gone, kind of clutching up straws there, I guess. But it's like, it is good that they have to try and and get the goals to come from elsewhere. For me, our two biggest needs are a right back and an attacking mid, and I would like that attacking mid to be a DP. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's a risk as well, because it has to be someone that's done it. And wants to be here. Yeah, and that's the thing. You're going to have to pay the money. I want an SADP, South American. Oh. I uh, I agree with what you guys are saying. I, uh, yeah, obviously we need uh, some some impetus in the attack. We need someone to create, um, and uh, we need some right backs. And yeah. we could use depth at other positions. I, I, yeah, with Camilo gone, we, we probably do need to replace him. And, so let me just say, it does depend on the formation that Carl Robinson will go with. And, oh, definitely. And, uh, and, and it's a good point, Zach. What, yeah. what players will be where? <laughs> Wise words. Yeah, and I do. Oh, someone else said wingers. Yeah, we need yeah. wingers. We don't have natural wingers. This Omar Salgado wide thing. Well, again, no, it's not going to happen. That's just John Humphreys going crazy. Well, it goes by tactics too, right? You don't uh, need to yeah. have wingers. As a former left back who liked to run up and down the wing, I'm opposed to wingers. So we, we, we need somebody. We need a poacher. We need someone that can put the ball in the net. If Kenny Miller comes back, what role is he going to play? The, the problem I had with Kenny last year wasn't really Kenny's problem, which was his football and brain is so much better than those that's playing around him. Especially when you look at the likes of Darren Mattox. Mm. The amount of times last season, Miller would be going forward and he would expect the other player to be making a run and and spray a ball out to the left or to the right and there's no one there. Yeah. And then it makes him look stupid because he's made a bad pass. Yeah. But it's yeah. because someone like Mattox hasn't read it. And that's where, uh, I don't, obviously we don't want to go to last year, but Barry Robson, same thing. Yeah. Um, oh, he, yeah. And, but he the was only, frustrated with only, that. only problem was whether he, he shows that he was very more animated than Kenny Miller was. So nobody noticed it with Kenny Miller. But he was right. And that, that's the thing. It's like, no, I'm saying nobody noticed yeah. him being frustrated because nobody he wasn't as animated as Barry Robson But that's was. the danger. Like, if, if, you, if we're going with a squad that's either it's this seems to be like extremes either really experienced Miller Rio Coker that's the league though right well, yeah I mean, if, guys if starting, these young one guy's going to be making a million and the other guy's going to be making 40,000 yeah. but these young guys are not going to be on the same page and no. it's like no matter how much you, you play with them they're still not going to have that football brain yeah no for sure so Kenny I think he can play in uh, 
You know, it's going to depend for sure on Carl, especially with this. He could play up top, or I think he can, you know, he's smart enough that he can play in that holding role, right? He can just tuck him in behind the forwards, and I, I can see him playing as a center mid at this age in a certain formation that he's not running box to box, right? But my but worry if, is, though, as well, if we rely on him with his injuries from last year, that turf is it's going to... That's why they if need you that. Say, that's why they need that more. If you give up, okay, Kenny, you got from the top of the attacking eighteen-yard box to midfield, and we'll take care of the rest. You don't even know. You know yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like back defending, fifteen-yard exactly, exactly. So you've got to set those formations yeah. up and those tactics up for that type of situation, right? But if you have them playing at the top of a diamond midfield, no, and that, that's the thing. If you like, you were saying, if you bring an attacking midfield that can play that role, you don't have need Kenny well, to drop back. Kenny. And then you sell them yeah. to Rangers and them. Well, if Kenny, Miller, Kenny Miller leaves here, he's not leaving for any money, whether no. it's no, in yeah. January or it's in no. June. He's not leaving. And they can't let him go now for nothing. That's the thing. With everything else that's happened, oh, they yeah. can't let him go now no. for nothing. No. Um, what about, we were talking about how we need a, a central attacking midfielder. What are you guys' thoughts on having Russell play and what is his personal favorite position playing in behind, ideally, I think, two strikers? Is that his personal favorite? His personal favorite is central attacking Well, midfielder. then I think it gets into a bit of that Davide situation where Davide's personal favorite wasn't necessarily where he's he looked best, best yeah. right? Because I don't think Russell's, that's his... I think, he, I, I think he's shown flashes there, but I think yeah. he's better on an off wing coming in. I don't think... Does that limit him, though? It, he's well, a limited player right now, Yeah, right? I don't think yeah. Russell's a starter for us. Or he shouldn't be. If, if Russell's a starter for us, our... We're no, you know what? If he can be a starter, if he puts in a good preseason, yeah. I mean, he and can work himself way back into young. a starting position. He's, young. he's yeah. got lots of skill. But the one we were mentioning that maybe we should just quickly go over that. People were upset that he wasn't going to the national team. Yeah, but the, the yeah. national team makeup. I, I went back and looked at it, and I was like, well, they took yeah. a whole bunch of kids and a couple. And I know I, I didn't see it as a big deal. No, I, no. I agree. Like somebody was saying that he didn't show up there because he didn't impress in the last camp or something like that. He might have not impressed, but. Devon said that we accidentally retweeted it. I think. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, well, so what if he doesn't show up at a camp? A camp is a camp. You want yeah. to be at the games. When's the uh, Olympic qualifying start? That's that's what that's I'm, where they're getting ready for. for it. Yeah. That's so what they're getting ready. That that's going to be exciting. Just before we wrap up, what wrap up? Toronto have been busy in the transfer market. This week going to be all announced. Next week, Defoe's coming. Michael Bradley's coming. Do you feel that with them making these signings, because they are a big name, and you, you have to think as well that the league's got a huge part to play in this because they have to turn this team around. It's like they have to make this a winning franchise to get that fan base still coming. Yeah. But do you feel that with them being so busy and making these big name signings, the pressure's really turned on the Whitecaps for the casual fan because they're going to see Toronto doing this and think, why are we not? Yeah, maybe for the casual fan. I think uh, the thing with TFC that more than the signings is the intelligence that seems to be coming out of there. Yeah, because they, they, they've with signed lots of great people yeah. over the years. They've just been a, such a clown organization <laughs> yeah. that it doesn't matter. You could sign Messi and turn him into freaking uh, I don't know who, but you know. I, I think it's uh, I think it's great for their supporters. They've had some. Uh, whatever you think of them or you know, whatever, they've had some great supporters that have kind of, some of them have stuck with it through the thick and thin. Um, yeah, you have to admire yeah. them for that. Some gr- great people in, in the new sector, especially, who've been there since before there was MLS, you know, like, yeah. and they've, 
a lot of them now are like, you know, like yourself, Michael, they're like bloggers and their media and all this kind of stuff and whatever, but their heart is like for with the club and for the club and the people that they brought into some supporting, you know, are still kind of going strong and they're, you can feel just like the, the breath coming into this seemingly dead or dying body and like, yeah, but, but to, be, to be fair, we have seen this before. I just, I hope for their sake that. It, you know, it isn't another some another false dawn. And, uh, but for our sake, I hope that like they rotate their squad in the Voyager's Cup or something. Like that <laughs> those games, I'm not feeling as confident yeah. as I was maybe well, a month or two ago. Well, well for the dynamic with between Toronto and Vancouver and the casual fan, I think what's important is that either Toronto sucks or has the potential to win. Right? I mm-hmm. think the worst is when Toronto is well. It hasn't been in. Mm-hmm in MLS yet but you know if you look at the CFL or NHL or whatever if they're sort of middle of the road mediocre and they're out of the media it's better that they suck or they're potential champions right I'm not sure what I what I want yet I don't know if I want them to just miss the playoffs with these players or for Defoe and Bradley to get injured in the first game and miss the whole season then they miss the playoffs I think that would probably be good but it'd be funnier if they finished sixth and missed out with those players. If they do not make the playoffs with those players, there's something yeah. they're never going to make it. This is this is it. But yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's easy to say that now, but you got to see how things develop, right? No, like no, it, no? no. because you like Bradley they have to make it. The thing is, the thing is, the one the one player that you that you're concerned about is probably Defoe, because Defoe will not be used to the travel. And yeah. a lot of European players come over and they're that, not used to the that travel. That doesn't matter, though. Even, even Silva, Silva might have a, not have a big issue because Brazil... I don't know how much travel they do in Brazil. Local. Yeah, I don't know how much... Well, it's a huge country. It's like, yeah, but I'm not sure how much they travel they do. Bradley might have... Even though he's used to Europe, he might be kind of accumulated to uh, what yeah. America is and North America games are. So Because he did sign with them initially in MLS. It's yeah. also amazing Voldemort's son is going to be playing <laughs> at the same team that Harry Potter's in charge of. And it's like, that just blows my mind. None, none of the excuses are going to matter to the fans at no. that point, though. Yeah. You could tell them anything. It's not going to matter. If they don't make the playoffs with that roster, it's like... Yeah. I think the That's biggest it. I think the biggest highlight of my off the offseason was, and we could quickly talk about this, uh, the Percy Perry Stadium. Oh, uh, playing the residency, playing oh. the Timbers. I think uh, I, I, I would like to wrap this year in review on a positive note. Yeah. And I think that was one of the funnest days we had all year. Yep. Um, obviously, it's there was smoke, and especially on a, one goal where there was like apparently three smoke bombs lit at the same time. Um, it was fantastic. It was chaos. It was just you couldn't see some part of the game at, at one point. Yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, for us, it was. I mean, I think you, I don't know if you tweeted about this or whatever, or you spoke of this, but like it was great because that was. It was like two. It was like almost like the two-year anniversary of like when our, the the movement that is Curva Collective kind of kind of birthed. Like yeah. right at the end of the 2011 season, we sat down with some people and said, uh, from the field, much of us sat down and said, "Hey, we think we want to do something different, and or we we want to do something that we think will be meaningful and quality. Can we do this together?" And then that was there was a residency game at at, at Percy Perry, and we're like, no, no, and it was uh, no, it was, oh, it was, it was Mark Rennie's Mark Rennie's Rennie, Rennie, yeah. the, the gold terrible goalless draw game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the, fu- the funny count. the funny yeah. story, and we, nobody knew at that point. Well, some people might have had an idea, but the. That two years ago, we we serenaded Martin Rennie yeah. at that Percy Perry Stadium, and we, and we serenaded Carl Robinson, Carl Robinson yes. at that Percy Perry Stadium two yeah. years later. Obviously, we didn't know he was coach at that time, but we no. serenaded him anyways. 
Yeah. My, my highlight of that day, apart from the win, the two wins. Your song. Oh, well, my, yeah, my Michael Booster song. My son can't stop singing that, man. That's a good Crazy. Driving, awesome. he's singing in the back seat. I want to hear that <laughs> going around MLS stadiums yeah. next, next season. But I like the we presented both the 18s and the 16s with the Cascadia Cup. Yeah. You got a picture. You got the photos taken with it. Um, I think I put them both up, but we'll we'll stick them up in an article later in the year anyway. And it was they really appreciated it. It made them feel part of the club mm-hmm. and yeah. part that the Whitecaps had won this. They were part of it. They were all talking about it. Their parents said, "Oh, it's really nice that you guys did that." And it was a nice touch, and I'm I'm glad yeah. we did it. That's a good way to end. I think a nice way to wrap up. Nice positive note, as you wanted, Steve. So that was 2013. We've talked about some of the issues going into 2014. Stay tuned because we've got another podcast coming real soon where we're going to look at some of the issues that's come up in the last week. Camilo, new management team, super draft coming up. So stay tuned, as I say, for that. So until next time, quick round the table. Tell everyone where they can find you online. Uh, Stephen Lamont is Slamo uh, at S-S-S-L-A-M-O on Twitter. You can find me at WhitecapsBeat on Twitter, right for AFTN Canada, and my name is Steve Pander. My name is Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. You can find me in the Twitterverse at Zachary AM, and I'm a part of the movement that's called Curve Collective at Curve Collective. And I'm Michael McCall. You can find me online looking at photos of Alex Morgan covered in paint. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Send us an email at AFTNCanada at hotmail.com. Read all our stuff on AFTN.ca, on Canadian Soccer News, and also on Soccerly.com. As always, thanks for listening, and until next time, which is going to be real soon, remember, take care, and mon the caps. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.